Hello and welcome to Time for Cakes Adele episode 11 with me Bex and me Ethan. <laughs> dramatic pause there. Was it dramatic enough? It was very dramatic. Good. Almost as dramatic as Friday afternoon when we thought we were getting a switch and then there was no switch but then on Saturday we had a switch. <laughs> it's less dramatic now that I sounded out in that way. That was a complicated 24 hours. <laughs> Where's my switch? Where's my switch? Oh, there's my switch. <laughs> it seemed like an eternity, but in the end it was about 12 hours late. Yeah. <laughs> but it was the switch. It was a switch, and it had been a long time coming, and those last 12 hours felt like all the time in the world. Switch! <laughs> all those extra hours, I could have been... Exploring Hyrule. Would have made no difference. Because <laughs> that game is so huge, it's really never going to end. <laughs> We've really jumped into it this time. <laughs> okay, so, uh, as you can probably guess, this episode, we're going to be talking about the uh, Nintendo Switch. Mm. Formerly the NX. Yes. That we talked about for a while. Oh, the NX, the NX. And they cheekily switched the name. Yeah. I don't know why. Maybe they wanted to switch it up. Yes, that's not what happened. It's not what happened. Last minute switcheroo. <laughs> Any more of those you want to get off your chest? That's about it. That's about well, it. Okay. Yeah. yeah. You sure? You sure? Yeah. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So uh, I think somewhere in the house we have a lot of Nintendo co- consoles. <laughs> we do. From Nintendo past. We now have the new one. Yes. I think we have a full set don't we? We do. Well, we don't have the original Game Boy. We have a Game Boy Advance, but we have yeah. the original classic oh, well. Game Boy. That's, that's what we're missing. Failures. Failures! <laughs> yes. But now, as has been widely reported, uh, Nintendo has a new one out after the... Failure is a tough word, <laughs> but the... Uh, how do you describe it? Not as successful as they would have wanted it to be. <laughs> Yes, that's a very, it's a very, it's a very convoluted way of saying it. Yeah. You know, it was the console between the Wii and the Switch. Yeah. Basically. But but at the time, it wasn't really. Uh, <laughs> it wasn't really known there was a Switch. It was just uh, the other Nintendo console. Yeah. Which wasn't as bad as people say it was. It had, had its moments. Had some cracking games on. It had Lego City Undercover. It, which is the finest of all Lego games. Mm. Mm. Yes. But now all that can be forgotten. <laughs> Except for the fact you're still trying to play Wind Waker. <laughs> uh, Wind Waker HD. Um, yeah, because the Switch is out and everyone's gone crazy for it. And we thought we'd do a sort of a short episode today, which kind of goes into our initial thoughts on it. Yes. So, Saturday, when it finally arrived, we had a go at playing some Monty Switch. We've played most of the mini games, I think. There's a couple that we haven't tried. I haven't come in to do that dance one yet. I'm not going to do the dance one. <laughs> not going to do the dance I'm one. I'm not going to do the dance one. Am I on my own on that one? You can't do it on your own. You have to do it with two people, all the games. Can I Can I not have both controllers and just play against myself? No, That's a bit lose. tragic, isn't it? It's a bit tragic. <laughs> There's nothing worse than watching one person play a two-player, one-two-switch game on their own. <laughs> Especially when the person who could be playing as a second player is sitting there going, no, <laughs> no. That's not in the little video intros that they have for these games. Mm. Right, let's take a step back. Yeah. What is a Switch console? 
the Switch console is a hybrid home console slash portable console where essentially I think the the guts of the console are in the screen itself it looks like a sort of slightly oversized mobile phone or an undersized tablet I guess or a very small television or a very small television and you can take that out with you as a portable console um, the little controllers attached onto either side so it extends it to the left and right with the controllers those are the joy cons yeah well you can take those off and you put it in the dock and whatever was on the screen now appears on your television so at the moment we've got it all hooked up to the tv but if you wanted to you could simply take the the screen switch itself out and carry on playing the game with you wherever you go but no one's going to do that really are they well someone said the other day that they had already seen someone on a train playing breath of the wild <laughs> Wow, I'm sure it's what Nintendo want to hear. Three days in, somebody <laughs> has seen one person using the Switch as a handheld console on the train. Uh, but I would be really scared of breaking it yeah. or something. And also, I, I heard that the battery life of it as a portable console is very dependent on what game you're playing. And that Breath of the Wild in particular just drains the battery out of it like crazy. Which is a bit of a problem because there aren't that many games released for it. But we'll come mm. but we'll come to that in a while. Okay. Um so first impressions, how does it compare with, you know, previous Nintendo consoles? So obviously Nintendo is it's had a bit of a up and down period all the time. Yeah. So one of the striking things that they've gone back to using cartridges, albeit the cartridges are now tiny or almost like SD card size. And they don't taste very nice. (laughs) Apparently they do not taste very nice. No, I haven't tried it yet. Uh, Don't plan to. (laughs) Apparently they're so small, they've coated them with something that makes them taste disgusting so that children and animals will not eat them. Which is quite smart. But of course it's led to loads of people filming themselves, tasting them and then putting it on YouTube because that's what happens now. (laughs) So that's how people make their own fun. (laughs) So, yeah, that, that's interesting after going with discs for the Wii and the Wii U. Um, it does mean that it doesn't seem to be backwards compatible in any way. Mm. So whereas with the Wii U, you can play all the Wii games on it. But with this, unless they're going to release some kind of peripheral, which there's no... Have you tried Have you tried taking the discs, uh, chopping them up, and then just uh, grinding them afterwards <laughs> and then sprinkling them into the cartridge thing and see if it plays? The magic Nintendo dust. Yeah, so there's there's cartridges and then there's downloads. Um, and at launch, there aren't that many big games that are out with it, mm. which is kind of surprising. There's no big Mario game or or anything like that, which is kind of unusual for a you know for the flagship Nintendo console. You know, a long time in you know in uh, in the making. Yeah, it'd be nice because what was the one that came out on the Wii U that was actually quite good. The um, Mario game, yeah, Super Mario 3D World. Oh, that was a good game. That was a good game. That was a good game. Yeah, good multiplayer game yeah. as well. And the, and to be fair, the trailer for the new Mario game, Super Mario Odyssey, which I think is out what later in the year. Yeah, probably been time for Christmas. Hmm, convenient. Mm. <laughs> um, that looks pretty good. But yeah. it would be nice to have that at launch. It would. I, I think that they figured that people who were going to buy a console in March 
are going to buy it even if they don't bundle anything with it. Mm. And that people who are so desperate to play Breath of the Wild are going to buy it to play Breath of the Wild. And that come Christmas, there will be bundles and it'll probably have the new Mario game bundled in with it and it'll probably be cheaper. And if it's really gone gone really badly, I suppose, uh, there'll probably be around Christmas the announcement of another Nintendo (laughs) console. (laughs) Um, But yeah, no, uh, the game that... uh, Well, the first game that we got with it, Mm. which is possibly one that could have been bundled with it i don't know is uh what you mentioned earlier one two switch yeah so uh that's kind of a mini game party game yeah kind of setup isn't it it's designed to show off the capabilities of these new joy con controllers i guess in the same way that things like wii sports were designed to to show off what the controllers the original wii Mm. could do um, the new Joy-Cons are fun. It's not quite as revolutionary as the Wii Motes were when the Wii first came out, where it was it was really the first console that did that kind of motion control. Mm. Um, and the the Joy Cons they really expand on that. So some games um, you have you have a, a Joy Con in each hand. Um, some of the party games you have one each. Some some you, you use a single Joy Con and you pass it around between people mm. to play the game. So it, it I guess they've They've developed a, a wide range of these mini games to show off everything that the Joy Cons right. can do. In terms of the rumble function, is I don't know how they do the the movement sensation in them. There's one of the mm. games which is where there are there are like marbles in a box, and you roll the Joy Con around in your hand as if you were holding the box in your hand, and you have to guess how many marbles are in the box. <laughs> And you would swear you can feel the marbles rolling around inside a box, even though it's just the Joy-Con in your hand. Well, you don't swear that, because you lost that game. I did lose it quite badly. <laughs> you could feel there was something rolling around. I knew it was three. <laughs> I thought it was six. <laughs> I was way off, way off. Um, no, but they are they are pretty cool, the controllers, aren't they? In yeah. terms of the uh, the things you can do with them, and potentially how they you know work, not in one, two, switch, but how these functions such as you know the rumble the motion the feeling of um holding something or uh like you say the movement of things within them that allows you to maybe shake something mm. and, you know and feel what's inside um it'd be interesting to know if those functions are going to be expanded upon uh, beyond one two switch and actually into actual games yeah where these things might become useful if you've got like a tactile experience you know, in, you know, one of the games. It'd be, really, it'd be really cool to see these things used and used relatively quickly. Yeah. You don't want it to be a, a fad that only appears in the one two switch game. Yeah. Um, one of the things I would love to happen, and it probably won't happen, one of my favourite series of games on the DS and the 3DS was the Professor Layton games. And they don't really make Professor Layton games anymore. But if they did a, a remake of them or a new one or another series that was like it like a mm. a puzzle detective type game detective pikachu detective pikachu uh oh i'd love them to do, release that over here but it, you could incorporate these kind of rumble functions into the puzzle solving in games like that um in the same way that when the 3ds came out they incorporated three-dimensional aspects into the puzzle solving mm. in terms of some of the block puzzles and stuff it's another dimension that you can bring into the puzzle solving in a game like that. That would be pretty cool. Hmm. 
So what's your sort of overall feeling with one two switch? Is it worth getting? Is it a fun thing to do? Does it have much life in it or it's fun, but to be honest, I don't know how much use we're necessarily going to mm. get out of it. I mean, the, you can see that the idea is that if you're going to some, you know, crazy party somewhere, you take the Switch with you and everyone plays these wacky games. But in reality... It's not going to happen. It, it, it doesn't happen. In reality, no one has these amazing parties and these giant loft spaces like they're doing the adverts for these things. You know, it's it's not going to happen. In reality, no one has friends. <laughs> there are no parties. <laughs> and if they are, uh, they're in someone's tiny living room where you sit around and eat takeaway pizza. Yeah. And, and that's it. And you don't want to get takeaway pizza on your Switch. That would be bad. Actually, what is annoying with this, I, I remember, is... So you were mentioning that some of the games require both Joy-Cons, the left and the right. Mm. Some of them require each person to have one and use them at the same time, use them sequentially, and they have IR sensors. There's a weird sandwich-eating game, which I couldn't get the hang of, because it just made me think about food, and I was very confused. Um, The problem, actually, though, is that when you're changing between games, what was annoying was on... um, So like the Wii U remotes, they have the straps on, Mm. and you have to keep taking them on and off between games. So some games require you to have the strap on because for example you're trying to throw a samurai sword at somebody and they have mm. to catch it you know with a kind of a clapping ge- a gesture the other games you have to take the uh the actual um hand strap off mm. and to keep switching them in and out is a bit of a pain they should have just made it a lot more straightforward you keep them on all the time or you take them off all the time mm. Especially as one of them, it was a little bit, the, the kind of, the bar that you slide onto it to, to put the strap, attach it to the controller. One of them, it went on on a fine, and the other, it was a little bit sticky. Hmm. Um, I don't know if that was just a teething problem. Or it's, the jam. Or maybe it was all the takeaway pizza they got in it. <laughs> but it, it, it is a fun game, and I think if it came bundled with the console. Like as a demo. Yeah. For like what you can do with the Joy Cons. Yeah, it would make sense, but at full price for the game, it's quite pricey. Oh, Nintendo, you're a bit cheeky, aren't you? <laughs> That's the other thing about this console. I have to say that it's a lot of the peripherals you have to buy with it, mm. and you get the sense that there's going to be lots of expansions in the future. Like you say, maybe there's a way to port Wii U games across with some kind of external disk drive or something. Uh, there might be other things, maybe storage capabilities, you know, because it it does have an well, it does have an SD card slot, but mm. you do wonder if there's other solutions, maybe to have like a a bigger library of games available, etc. Yeah. It's clearly going to be that you buy the Switch now, and you're going to keep having to add bits to it, which is kind of annoying, actually, in one respect, but it's kind of how things are going these days. Yeah. But obviously, the one reason why everyone wants a switch is because there is a new zelda game on it there is it's been a long time has been a long time a long time a long time (laughs) it's been a long time filled with a lot of hd remakes (laughs) to try and keep people satisfied which are the ones you've you've tried you like on the wii u uh twilight princess hd yeah and wind waker and wind waker which you still haven't finished no, so Wind Waker, I played the first time around on the GameCube, but I never 100%ed it because I didn't 
go through the incredibly long-winded side quest of getting all the statues from the photography. Um, basically it's this huge side quest where you've got a camera and you take photographs of certain um, allies, enemies, monsters, whatever, and then you, you, you take them to this dude on an island and he turns them into statues. And trying to get the full collection of all of them is it must be the biggest side quest of any Zelda game ever. It's worse than getting all those blooming gold skull tullers in Ocarina of Time. It's... Tell me about it. <laughs> so I decided that I would I would I would fill the Zelda gap in my life between playing the Twilight Princess HD remake and Breath of the Wild coming out by playing some Wind Waker HD. And I'd I'd forgotten how much fun Wind Waker was. Mm. It's it's a lot funnier than most Zelda games. It doesn't take itself too seriously. Um, and there are some very funny moments in it. But I thought, well, this time, if I'm going to play it again, I'm going to try to 100% it. So it's taken me a long time because you've got to be very careful. There are certain bosses that you need to take a picture of. But if you defeat them without taking a picture of them, you don't get the chance to battle them again. And this, you, you've blown the side quest and there's no chance to go back. So I'm, I'm taking it all very carefully. And as a result, I'm still halfway through and, yeah. and suddenly Breath of the Wild is here. So what do I do? Playing Breath of the Wild. Uh, yeah. Right. So I don't know where to start with Breath of the Wild. I don't know where to start with Breath of the Wild. I've been playing it. <laughs> yeah. No, so it's been previewed for about three years now. Mm. Snippets here, snippets there. We saw a preview of actual gameplay at Hyper Japan last year. Yeah. And at that point, everyone was like, wow, it's incredible. But yeah. no one knew when it was going to come out, uh, what format it was going to be really in terms of you know, how it would look on the Switch in particular, because mm. I think they were only previewing a version that was on the Wii U yeah. at the time, etc. So everyone was like, oh, what's this new game? About? But it looked fantastic. It raised lots of questions based on the previews about what exactly was going on in this iteration of the Link Zelda storyline. Yeah. Um, so yeah, uh, uh, you've just started playing it. You're a few hours into it. Yeah. What's going on? It's the strange feeling of something being so familiar and so unfamiliar at the same time. Because so many of the classic Zelda ingredients are there. The the setting in Hyrule, and it's very much going back to a, a very traditional Hyrule. So, because some of those older games, they've, 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 played around with it made it quite different the way you know wind waker was out on the ocean and skyward sword you spend a lot of time in the sky and there's other islands in the sky but this is going back to the kind of big open hyrule on the ground that i remember from things like ocarina of time so all of these elements are there and yet they have taken the rule book torn it in half kept half of it and thrown the other half away <laughs> because Although it seems very familiar, and you know you're you're playing Link, the, the all the villains, well, most of the villains I've encountered so far have been quite familiar, the Bobolkins and things, but things like um, simple things like uh, slashing the grass no longer gives you hearts and rupees the way it used to, and when you've been playing Zelda games for about thirty years, and that's always been the mechanic, it suddenly feels really weird not to have that that the grass is just grass and you wander through it. So what's the plot of this Zelda game? I don't know yet. <laughs> I don't know yet. This game is so huge, I've been playing for several hours. I still don't really know what's going on. Basically, 
what you can see from the trailers and from the footage that we saw at Hive Japan last year shows the beginning of the game. So it's not really a spoiler in that Link wakes up in this chamber that looks to be some kind of hybrid of technology and magic. And he's been asleep for a hundred years. Uh, he doesn't remember anything, doesn't know who he is. He hears this female voice talking to him, but he doesn't know who it is. We can guess it's probably Princess Zelda, but he hasn't got a clue. He leaves the chamber. Uh, you find some clothes handily stashed around and some treasure chests as you're on your way out. And then you're just out in the open. And you can do pretty much anything you want. And this is a proper open world game, isn't it? You can go absolutely anywhere you want, do anything yeah. you want. It's not like a prescribed order of events that yeah. you need, that is that is guiding your gameplay. Yeah. Although technically you can do whatever you want. You could actually go right to the end if you wanted to. Um, but in this case you can just explore whatever you want and fi- and you have to figure out what the storyline is and, and what your missions are. Yeah, so geography is your only limitation to what you can do. And the way they've done the early part of the game is quite clever because there are some cliffs that I actually fell off a couple of times that you can't get down. And that, so one of the f- few kind of NPCs that you meet early on in the game is this old man who you talk to a few times and he kind of pops up in various places. Uh, we don't know who he is. I have my theories about who he is, but we don't know who he is. He's just described in the text as an old man. And he has a paraglider. And if you've seen the trailer, you've probably seen Link flying around mm. on a paraglider. But at the moment, you can't get off this area called the Great Plateau without the paraglider. So it, it effectively constricts you to one geographical area of Hyrule, which itself is absolutely enormous. I mean, the Great Plateau alone, even though it's it's just the starting area, mm. is vast and trying to travel between different places on there takes ages um but evidently what i'm guessing is and i haven't achieved this yet but what i'm guessing is that once i get my hands on the paraglider i'll be able to get off the great plateau and then the entire rest of the world will be open to me so there are weather mechanics that have come into the game at one point i started venturing up some mountains and uh, it was freezing cold. Um, they're kind of like proper snow-capped mountains, and there's a little temperature gauge on the screen. And once you see that Link is starting to get cold, you know that his health is going to deplete unless he either eats something which is going to warm him up or get some clothes. And I realised I wasn't going to be able to make it anywhere up this mountain without dying at the stage of the game that I'm at because I haven't figured out any of my recipes yet of cooking food, mm. and I didn't have anything other than the clothes that I'd found in the resurrection chamber. So I had to turn back. And there are cliffs that you can try and climb pretty much everywhere. But climbing anything saps your stamina gauge. Um, and you have to find somewhere up the cliff that is horizontal enough for you to rest and regain your stamina before carrying on. If your stamina runs out, you're just going to fall and die, basically. Mm. And I know that there will be recipes that I will be able to make that can give you more stamina and things like that. But again, I haven't figured them out yet. So it's not that the storyline is telling you you must go to this place and you must do this thing. Because um, I know a lot of people were very frustrated, particularly with Skyward Sword, in the very prescribed manner in which 
we had to follow the events of a story mm. and you couldn't go off exploring in this you can go off exploring but there are certain places where if you go too early you're just going to die trying to get up there but you can try to get up there if you want to it doesn't put a big rock in your way and say have a npc standing in front of it saying oh i'll have this rock down within a few days don't worry about it and then when you've done enough of the story you go back and it's gone the way they used to mm. they've they've done it in a much more subtle way whereby you're just not strong enough yet so you learn by by the experiences in the games you'll know what to do you know but, you know in terms of whether you need to get different weapons to fight something or whether you need to get different types of food cooked and things like that in order yeah. to do these things yeah so it's a lot more intricate than a than a standard zelda game isn't it it is it is um i've got tons of food ingredients but every time i've tried to build a recipe of putting multiple ingredients together so far i've i've inadvertently cooked dubious food <laughs> Uh, which the the description of the dubious food says that it probably won't hurt me if I eat it, but I don't really want to find out. Um, so that's a bit of trial and error. Mm. I'm I'm trying to play as much of it as I can without any kind of guidebook. Yeah. Um, just to explore it and see if it... Exactly, just to explore and just to experience it organically, really. Mm. I don't want to then... Because I've built this huge open world that people can explore in the way they want to, I don't want to then prescribe my own path by looking at a book and just yeah. following what it says I, I just want to figure it out as i go along so has it got the traditional dungeon layout of a zelda game or so so i was reading and I, was, I was seeing as well so you've got this thing where you've got shrines and then you've got dungeons and so how does that all work in this new game yeah so i've read that there are dungeons i haven't found any any proper dungeons um i've read that there aren't that many of them hmm. Uh, what I have found so far is a couple of shrines where um, it's almost like a, a mini dungeon where it's just got a couple of rooms with some puzzles in. And by completing it, I've got these rune powers that I can now use. So, for example, even though I've only been playing it a few hours, um, I've already got the rune that allows me to have infinite bombs. Mm. So no more bomb bags and trying to pick bomb flowers and all the stuff from the mm. old games. I've now got infinite bombs that I can use, both both round and square ones hmm. which will presumably come in handy when you try to throw stuff down yeah. this and this new one that's called the magnesis rune which enables you to manipulate metallic objects and lift them up um, and they were both acquired by going through these mini dungeon shrine type things um, one of the things that has surprised me is just how much kit I've already got I was playing for about 10 minutes when I found a bow and arrow. And normally in the Zelda games, the, the way the, the structure used to be is that uh, there would be, you know, several, multiple dungeons throughout the storyline. And each one would have a new piece of equipment that you would pick up partway through the dungeon. And then a boss fight where you'd have to use the new piece of equipment to defeat the boss. So some of the games, you'd, you'd get halfway through the story before you got a bow and arrow. Mm. Um, and sometimes, because you didn't have the bow and arrow, they would give you a kind of not very good substitute early on, like a slingshot mm. or a boomerang or something like that, because you didn't have a bow and arrow. But this time, I came up the Shrine of Resurrection, I talked to the old guy by the fire, because he was quite close by, and then I thought, what am I going to do now? So I just, I could see the ruins of the Temple of Time, but we're not that far away, I thought, that looks pretty cool, I'm going to go over there and climb it and climb up on the roof. <laughs> And after a couple of uh, attempts where I fell off, I made it onto the roof, came it down again, wandered around inside, there was a bow and arrow. 
I thought this is not the Zelda that yeah. we know. But it is still awesome. But they've obviously decided that certain elements of the old formula had to go. Mm. Um, because did people really want another Zelda adventure where halfway through the story there would be a dungeon where after an hour of playing in the dungeon you would finally find the bow and arrow or shall we just give them a bow and arrow now so what's your overall view is it a fun game to play is it too early to tell it looks great like are there too many mechanics in it at the moment for you to really enjoy it until you've figured out what's going on it is a fun game to play i'm still i'm still figuring out certain elements of the mechanics of it there was a bit where I was trying to get across this gap, um, uh, this kind of crevasse, because I, I knew there was a shrine that was further up this mountain, um, and there was this unjumpable gap between them. And I figured out that if I could chop down a tree in such a way that it fell across the gap, I could walk over the mm. tree. My first attempt at doing it, I hadn't uh, angled the chopping quite right, and the tree fell down the crevasse um, so then I thought well I've got to be careful now because there's only a couple of trees left mm. that I can get, get this right so I changed the angle I was chopping at and I managed to get the second one to fall perfectly over the gap mm. and I jumped up on top of the tree trunk and ran across and things like that where you have to use a lot more kind of logic and intuition of how to solve problems because before it would have been very signposted. What to do mm. would have been signposted, but now they just they give you a bunch of kit and say, well, in the physics of the game, if you can do something that works in the physics of the game, then it will work. And there might be multiple ways of solving the same puzzle. Because if all of those ways will work to solve the puzzle within the physics of the game, then they will all work. So it's very much more finding your own feet and figuring things out for yourself without it holding your hand all the way through the game, which is really good. Is Ganondorf in this? Well, there's some evil power that is, seems to be contained within Hyrule Castle. And it gets referred to by the old man character as the Calamity Ganon. Oh, okay. So it seems that it's his, his essence or his spirit or something like that. He's not a person, it's just kind of like swirling beast-like entity um, that has been trapped there for a long time. So it's... It's Ganon slash Ganondorf in some form. Mm. Uh, and I presume that this being Zelda, he'll turn up in his regular form at some point. Um, but right now, that seems like a long way off. It seems like I've got a long way to go just to get off the Great Plateau. Get me that, get me that paraglider so that I can start adventuring off the rest of the world. Find the Gorons, find the Zoras. Have you tried any of the amiibo functionality yet? Not yet, so the amiibos have been really hard to get hold of. Um, oh, so you can't actually try the functionality because you can't get the amiibos. <laughs> so the, the special Breath of the Wild ones, they sold out on the Nintendo store within hours of them actually yeah. going up. And it's kind of frustrating for Nintendo sometimes where they must know things are popular, they know people want them. Why aren't they manufacturing enough stock? Or is it a stock problem particularly here? Because um, a few days ago, we got back from Japan, where we were basically faffing about for a couple of weeks on holiday. And 
a couple of stores that we went into that sold amiibos had vast numbers of amiibos that you cannot get in the UK for love or money. Um, You know, they they go for stupid amounts of money on eBay. You can't get them from the Nintendo store anymore. There are second-hand ones on Amazon for ridiculous prices. Go to Japan and they're just hanging on the wall for about eight quid. So what's going on, Nintendo? Why, Why are you not getting stock in if these things are selling out and people want them? Surely you can manufacture more of them. It was odd with the Breath of the Wild Amiibos, though, because they were sold out immediately. Yeah. Like, three months before the game has come out. Yeah. So, ultimately, it's there's got to be a bigger supply of them quite soon, because people are going to want them to use in the game. Because there's, like, five... What, there are five new ones for this for this game? There are five new ones. So, I, I managed to order the Guardian and the Bobkin before they sold out Um, they sold out soon after I'd I'd done those but I was already too late to get the two iterations of Link there's an Archer Link and a Rider Link and also the um, the one of Zelda Um, can you use some of the other Zelda amiibos in the game you like, can. like Wolf Link you can use can you Wolf Link you can use and Wolf Link has a specific function which I haven't tried out yet but Wolf Link will actually give you a wolf companion in the game Hmm. who will run around with you so one of the things you can do in the game is you can go hunting for wild animals in order to get food. Uh, and I think the wolf link will basically help you hunt um, as you go around. And the wolf link will have its own health bar, its own number of hearts. And in a, a very sneaky twist, it will have a minimum of three hearts. But if you've played Twilight Princess HD and used the Wolf Link Amiibo in that to unlock this special cave um, trial that you can go on, uh, and you've completed that trial, then the number of hearts that Wolf Link will have will be the number of hearts that you finished that trial with as Wolf Link. So theoretically, it could be 20. Mm. If, if you were so good at Twilight Princess that you finished that cave with 20 hearts... Mm. Or, or or finish it with however many hearts, then quickly drank a couple of potions, restore it to 20, finish the cave, then your wolfy companion in Breath of the Wild can have 20 hearts. And I've even seen people advertising them for sale on eBay with Already, 20, with 20 yeah. hearts on them. Yeah, clever. So what's your kind of overall feeling, first impressions? My, my first impressions are, it feels daunting. It feels dauntingly huge. Just to look out at the the sheer amount of world that is there for exploring, most of which I can't even get to yet. This is not a hundred percenter, is it? This is not a hundred percenter. I think it'd be very, very difficult. I'd be interested to know if it's possible to a hundred percent it. I don't know if it's going to be one of those ones where certain side quests or certain parts of the game mean that you can't go back and yeah. and get things done. There are these Koroks around who are these little creatures who appeared in um, Wind Waker, actually. And uh, I found three of them so far. And they give you a a special seed. I'm not sure what I'm supposed to do with it yet. But I've read that there are a hundred of those (laughs) dotted around. Um, (laughs) So they feel very much like the gold skull tullers of uh, of Breath of the Wild. Um, or those post souls that I spent so flipping long collecting in Twilight Princess. Um, except there are a hundred of them this time, because the world is so huge. 
and apparently there's going to be some side quests because when I look at the map it tells me the like the general quest that I'm on and sometimes it will give you like a point on the map where, that you've got to go to so the, when you first wake up um, it, it puts a point on the map and says go to this place or the, the voice that Link hears inside his head tells you to go there and there's clearly room in that menu for side quest to also be oh, okay. in there that you can kind of look at your your progress and what you're meant to be doing and I've also read that apparently there's going to be DLC there's going to be a DLC side quest uh, which they've, they've never done DLC in Zelda before mm. but I think that's just the way gaming is going now so another thing they haven't done has been uh, the voice acting in this yeah so it, Link is still mute isn't he Link is Link is still mute um, and it, they seem to be doing a, a sort of hybrid sometimes the voice acting is there sometimes it's not so the voice that link hears in his head which we presume is princess zelda um there's voice acting but then they also put the text on screen Mm. in the way that they would do before the old man character who i've encountered a few times now and had a few conversations with that is still text on the screen um so it seems like the voice acting is going to be i don't know is it going to be mainly in cutscenes? Or is it going to be sometimes characters have voice acting, sometimes it's just the text? It seems to be a, a fusion of the two that they've gone for. But it's still very odd to hear voice acting in a Zelda game. Mm. Um, you're so used to just the, the text on the screen and then the the kind of uh, body language from the, the character who is speaking. So I, I, I want to meet some more people. Yeah. Uh, at some point I've got to find a village or something um because at the moment i've met the old man and i've had a lot of monsters going yeah i mean in various ways uh including one giant rock thing that i just ran away from because <laughs> it, it looked like that thing from uh, galaxy quest the, the, all, all the, the giant rock, thing the but, giant thing yeah. all the rocks built together and yeah. i was like oh no i'm not going over there i've got three hearts i, I think i've got one club a couple of spears and a stick i'm not going to fight that thing <laughs> in the situation that I am now but I just ran away and to be fair it chased after me throwing rocks for a really long time <laughs> so I ran away like a big scaredy cat you might want to go go back with a, a bit more preparation next time yeah maybe some kind of rudimentary lathe <laughs> can't whittle it um, yeah no so that's Zelda Breath of the Wild mm. that's pretty much the reason to get a Switch at the moment it is um there are a couple of other launch titles that that we haven't played, and I know that there are some indie games that are there at launch. Mm. Um, unfortunately, the one indie game that was going to get launched on it, which I have played, which is Little Inferno, mm. isn't on there yet. Um, is that going to be on the? So that will turn up on the eShop when they've got it ready. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that was available on the Wii U, which I played it on. Yeah, and I think they were intending for it to be a launch title, but obviously they've they've got to. You know, rejig everything to make it work on the Switch, and hopefully it's going to come soon. Um, and Tomorrow Corporation have another game coming out as well. Yeah, so there's a, another one called Human Resource Machine, which I want to play. Um, I I didn't realise that that had come out on the Wii U, but it's coming out on the Switch. So my plan was to get it for the Switch, mm. but it's not on there yet. Um, or it wasn't when we checked on Sunday, anyway. Mm. But Little Inferno was a really cool little game so hopefully human resource machine will be good too mm. so there are going to be another set of games coming out over the next sort of few months i presume 
some from Nintendo. There's some non-Nintendo games as well, aren't there? Like Skyrim and things are turning up. Yeah, Skyrim's coming out. Um, they're porting some things over from the Wii U. So uh, Mario Kart 8 is mm. going to be Mario Kart 8 Deluxe, which I think basically means that they're including the DLC that In was available for, yeah. for Mario Kart 8. Um, but that's it's a fantastic racing game. Yeah. And because the Wii U didn't sell as well as, as they'd probably hoped it would, I think there are some cracking games on the Wii U that deserve a much bigger audience. Are they going to release Lego City Undercover on the Switch? They are, yes. Okay. They are, um, which is still my all-time favourite Lego so game. So how is that going to work, though? Because on the Wii U, you actually used the second screen as a second screen. Yeah. On... Whereas on the Switch, you don't use the second screen as a second screen. It's it's either the primary screen or it's hidden when you plug it into the TV. Yeah, I, I don't know how they're going to change the mechanics of the function that the, the Wii U screen used to mm. have. Um, at, at times it would act like a, like a mobile phone where... Um, or like a video phone where people would appear on it talking yeah. to you. And other times you could use it as a scanner and you would literally hold it up and move it around in front of you as if you were scanning the area mm. in front of you. And you would get a like a sort of x-ray version of what you were looking at. So mm. You could see people hiding and stuff like that. Um, if they're going to keep things like the scanning in the game, it's going to have to be some way that you, you press buttons and it comes up on screen or yeah. something like that. And you use the Joy-Cons to kind of... Yeah. Maybe manipulate the viewpoint you're seeing, etc. Yeah, so it, it won't be quite the same, but hopefully it will give a really good game another life. Yeah, because that deserved is... that really deserved a much bigger audience. Yeah, I think it's kind of a bit swamped by all the Lego games that are attached to major properties, like the yeah. Star Wars games, the Batman games, etc. And it, it's a shame because it it sort of fell victim to the same problem that I think an awful lot of films fall victim to as well now, which is that an original property just gets forgotten about mm. slightly in the midst of the billionth DC or Marvel or Star Wars or whatever thing coming out. All of which have, you know, a lot you know, a, a long succession of Lego games as well. Just yeah. just like they do in the in films. So the additional ones, um Splatoon two is coming out. Yeah. There's another Xenoblade Chronicles and a Fire Emblem. Yeah. And Mario Mario Odyssey. Yeah, Mario Odyssey, which looks wonderful, but from the footage doesn't look multiplayer. Balls. Which will be a shame. Balls. I, I really loved 3D World. Yeah. Playing it as multiplayer. But yeah, just... yeah, all the footage in the trailer was all just Mario running around flinging his hat around. And... Yeah going into kind of pseudo real world environments and doing things so one game that is out now um which i assume is multiplayer is the new bomberman game a bomberman is it super bomberman r or something something like that yeah Mm, i should love bomberman yeah we'll probably pick that up at some point yeah um that would have been a bet i think they should have bundled one two switch with the console and then i would have thought hmm bomberman (laughs) As a as a secondary game to yeah. have to have on the Switch, to be fair, Zelda is the main selling point at the moment. But you don't want it to be the only selling point. You need to start getting a lot of good games out for this console if they want to have it surviving. Yeah. I think um, it's got a lot of scope, but you also want to make sure that all of the functions 
like we were saying earlier, that you see in the Joy-Con controllers in 1-2-Switch do actually start having useful functions in the games. Yeah. Um, and hopefully people will start developing games based on those functionalities a little bit, or yeah. at least exploit some of those uses to make sure that it's not just the case that you have to get that 1-2-Switch game out in order to use all the functionality of it. Um, need some clever developers to get on board. So final thoughts on the Switch? Final thoughts? I think it is worth it if you are a big Zelda fan and you want to play Breath of the Wild and you don't have a Wii U knocking around that you could go out and play Breath of the Wild on. <laughs> um, I think the real test of it and how popular it's going to be is going to come close to Christmas when the new Mario game comes out and they start offering bundles that are probably a bit of a better deal. Because yeah. um, at the moment it is very expensive. And if you, if you desperately want to play Breath of the Wild right now and you can't wait and you just want to go and explore Hyrule in the best possible form that it can be explored, then by all means go and raid your credit card and, mm. and get hold of one of them. But I think... Later in the year, I assume that there will be... They've got to start doing bundles and, and more games yeah. will be out. And I think it, I think that the real test will be how popular it is over the next couple of years rather than how many, pe- how many people are rushing out desperately wanting to play Zelda, like me. So that's it for our Nintendo Switch Zelda special. <laughs> Yay! <laughs> I'm sure we will have many, many more thoughts on Zelda and the other Switch games as the year goes on. Yeah. And probably discuss your lack of progress in Breath of the Wild. <laughs> will I ever get off the Great Plateau? <laughs> if I'm still on the Great Plateau in six months, then someone send help. <laughs> or a guidebook. <laughs> For the time being, I'm just happy exploring. Mm-hmm. So, so what's going on next? Yeah, so next time, there's a rather alarming anniversary which is making us feel very old coming up this week, and which doesn't seem to have had that much fanfare, which we're finding a bit odd. Uh, this Friday, uh, the 10th, yeah. 10th of March, is the 20th anniversary of the very first episode that was ever screened of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. My goodness. I know. 20 years. 20 years. That is a long time. <laughs> it, does, it doesn't really feel like that because we do occasionally re-watch episodes mm. so it doesn't seem like it's been away for long but, my goodness, 20 years. Yeah. 20 years. 10 years, man. <laughs> 10 years, man. 10, 10 years, 10 years. <laughs> <laughs> Can't do a Jeremy Piven voice. <laughs> You get the picture. <laughs> yeah, twice that. Twice that. The, yeah. The, the amount of time that uh, Martin Blank had been gone, it is now double that. Uh, since Actually, was that 20 years ago as well? It might be. Grace Point Blank was, was that ninety? It might Was it 95, 96? I don't know. No, I think it was 97. I think mm. it was the reunion of 97, was it? 
Oh, man. I don't know, it was Slayerfest 98, I remember that. <laughs> it could be about 97, actually. Oh, dear. Oh, dear, oh, dear. 20 years of Buffy. Yeah. 20 years of Buffy, and for a show that was so seminal, there doesn't seem to be much hype around the anniversary. I think it'll all kick off, probably on Friday. Maybe yeah. we're being very premature by talking about it this early. <laughs> or we've got the date wrong. Yeah. <laughs> that is always possible. So I think the plan is that we're going to do probably our top eight, top ten yeah. episodes yeah. from Buffy uh, as a sort of mini retrospective celebration yeah. of, of the anniversary of, I think, probably one of the most important shows on TV. In, ter- in terms of its influence that has come afterwards and the, the way people try to emulate it since and never quite succeeded. Like Hex. Oh, Hex. <laughs> oh, poor Hex. Oh. It tried. The problem is we've just mentioned Hex in the same <laughs> sentence as Buffy. And that's the problem that people make yeah. and keep making. Yeah. Um, yeah, so... Uh, oh, or it could be worse. Could have mentioned Demons. <laughs> It was the inverse of Buffy in many respects. <laughs> so yeah, next time, Buffy twentieth anniversary celebration. Yeah, and if you like time for cakes and ale, uh, then what you should do is uh, you can get in touch uh, with us via Twitter uh, at tfcaa. Uh, you can like us on Facebook and get in touch with us there. Yeah, there's a Facebook page time for cakes and ale and uh you can also drop by our website uh which is timeforcakesandale.com we've put a, a new blog post up recently um from our trip to japan we've got a, a a sort of rundown of really good geeky sightseeing places to go if you're planning a trip which we highly recommend it's awesome Woo-hoo! um yeah so do get in touch usual places uh but otherwise that's it for Episode 11. Mm-hmm. Next time, episode 12. Goodbye. Goodbye. Goodbye.